You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Southside Baptist Church, located in Florence, South Carolina. We now have two services, a classic service at 8.30 and a modern service at 11 o'clock. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. As we continue this series, Healthy, Happy, Whole, the title of today's message is Prayer, the Brain Changer. And so, and how prayer and what it does to us and to our brain. But we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 6. And in verse 5, we're going to read what Jesus has to tell us about prayer. It says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions such as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And Jesus gives us a model for us to follow. Our father... In heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, it says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigured their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Let's pray. Father, as we dive into your word, I pray that we're challenged this morning to improve and to seek your face in our prayers. Lord, we need you. And there's some here this morning, maybe they've never prayed before. There's some who they pray, but not as often as they should. And wherever they're at, I pray that they will see the importance of prayer in your words. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes in life... The slight change, the simplest change in something can make all the difference, especially when it comes to wording, when it comes to punctuation, or when it comes to grammar. And every now and then you'll see, um, either online or you'll see something in an email, um, about funny church bulletins or funny church-like e-news. Here's a couple I want to mention to you that just a slight change made all the difference. Here's number one. is for those who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer, and medication to follow. Our youth basketball team is back in action this Wednesday at 8 p.m. in the recreational hall. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. Scouts are saving aluminum can bottles and other items to be recycled. Proceeds will be used to cripple the children. Weight Watchers meeting at 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double door at the side 
entrance. You know, <laughs> you never know until you, it's important to have someone else read over what you type, right? Especially when it comes to church bulletins. Well, the point of that is this, is that we may look at prayer as something just simple. As something just kind of small that's a part of our spiritual lives that probably doesn't make that much of an impact. But the truth, when we read scripture, when we read about prayer, we see that prayer and the importance of, uh, of prayer in our own lives. And sometimes it's the little things, even in prayer, that make a huge, huge difference. But what is prayer? Maybe you're watching or you're here and you're like, well, really, what is prayer? Prayer in its simplest form is you communicating with God. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God who made everything, the God who made you, you were no mistake. God made you. He knew you were going to be born. He knew the way you were going to be wired. He made you, you. The God of the universe wants to communicate with you. How awesome is that? And you might think, but I don't feel worthy to communicate with God. None of us really are. None of us are good enough. Uh, Maybe we never feel good enough. But God is God, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants to communicate with you. You see, prayer, prayer is a gift that God has given us. It's a tool that we can use, and it's one that we should boldly use. It's said that prayer is like a like time exposure to God. Our souls function like photographic plates, and Christ's shining image is the light. And the more we expose our lives to the white hot sun of his righteous life, 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, the more his image is burned into our character. His love, his compassion, his truth, his humility, prayer changes our character. Sometimes people wonder, can people really change? We look at people and we wonder, man, they seem like they're the same person. They've always been ornery. They've always been dishonest. But the Bible teaches us that Christ can change us. And number one way you're going to change is through prayer, spending time in the word and letting God put his character upon us. You see, prayer is not a spare tire that should only be used in case of emergencies. It's not like it's hidden behind the glass and it says, you know, break the glass just in case of an emergency. That's not what prayer was meant for. Now, I hope, I hope you pray when there's an emergency. I mean, that's a good time to pray. No question. But, But prayer is something that we're called to use every single day. Today, I'm not really necessarily looking at Um, uh, this morning about what hinders our prayers or how God answers our prayers. Did you know, just by the way, that our prayers can be hindered? When there is sin, unrepentant sin in our life that we know is there, and we're not willing to confess it and get it right with the Lord to restore that fellowship with him, it hinders our prayers. In fact, I think it's 2 Peter goes, it goes into um, detail about how men, how you treat your wife can hinder your prayers if you don't treat her well. So it tells us that there's things that can hinder our prayers. And you could do a, maybe a whole sermon on that, right? But, but as well, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says, hey, I'm going to go with you through this valley and through this difficulty. I'm going to help you. See, God, he designed prayer to be between us and him. 
He didn't design it for us to show off. He designed it for us. Now, there's different types of prayer. There's corporate prayer, like we have prayer in our services. Nothing wrong with that. And that's not what Jesus is speaking of, okay? We should pray in our services. We need corporate prayer praying together. We've had times we've done 24-hour uh, day of prayer, and that was, man, beneficial and helpful, and we probably should do it again here soon. And there's things that, that we can be challenged in our prayer life. I think, I think that's good to do from, from time to time. But what's going on here is Jesus saw the Pharisees who were dressed in their religious garb, and they could speak well, and they wanted to make sure everyone saw them as they said their prayer. And they were kind of showing off about how awesome their prayer life was. They wanted to make it known that they were fasting. That they were fasting, and in other words, I'm a little more spiritual than you. Can you see me pray? Can you hear me pray? Can you, can you see that I'm fasting? That's what they, they were showing off. And Jesus like, oh, I'm not in that. That's not what I desire. Because prayer ultimately, and you notice this with Jesus. Jesus when his prayers were public and heard, they oftentimes were short. But when he would go and get away by himself with him and the Father, his prayers were much longer. Jesus had a private prayer life. And if Jesus had a private time of getting away and praying, so should we. And that's what he's pointing out. Now you can imagine these Jewish men who were following Jesus, they grew up praying. This was not new to them. They had... They had they prayed many times themselves. But when they heard Jesus pray, they're like, oh, wait a second. Something's different about Jesus praying. Jesus, teach us how to pray like that. I want to pray like that. And so Jesus gives us a model. He gives us a model. And that's what the Lord's Prayer is here. It's a model showing us how we should pray. And so this is what prayer really is. Prayer is meant to cultivate our relationship with God. It's meant to cultivate our relationship with God. Are you cultivating that relationship between you and the Lord? You may feel like, man, I feel feel distant from the Lord. I don't feel close to the Lord. Well, are you praying? If you're not praying, you're not cultivating. It's the same way with your spouse or any other relationship that you may have. Man, if you're married and you stopped dating your wife, you stop complimenting her or she stopped complimenting you. You're not going out on dates. You're not doing things together. And you're just living underneath the same roof. And you're almost becoming more like roommates instead of like spouses. Then you got to ask yourself, what changed? This is what happens. When our actions change, our feelings change. Well, sometimes we think, well, I'll, my actions will change when my feelings change. But that's not actually how we work and how we tick or how God made us. Our feelings do matter, don't get me wrong. But when we start doing the right actions, our feelings eventually line back up. So what should a child of God do who, Do if they feel you know, far away from God? They know they're saved, they know they're born again, but they got out of the habit of having a prayer time with God. Get back in the habit of praying and make it, a, make it something daily. We're called to pray without ceasing, praying continually. And that's what we should do as believers, we should continue to do that. as believers. It helps cultivate, like almost like a garden that needs cultivated and needs prepped <clears throat> so the seeds can be planted. Same way that weeds need to be pulled and taken out. Man, we need to cultivate our prayer life. Then you'll feel close to the Lord and you'll feel close in the same way with other relationships. You want those feelings to come back? You got to 
put the right actions. But preacher, I don't feel like it. Well, there's times we all don't always, always feel like it. But <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, right actions will, re- will lead to the right feelings. And so this prayer is a model for us. There are six petitions. Three are directed to God. Three are directed towards human needs here in this passage. And so prayer is what it does. It helps us focus on what is Important. And notice what Jesus prays here as he shows them. And um, these Jewish men, man, these followers, they want to know, teach us how to pray. Show us. He says, our Father in heaven. Our Father. Man. Prayer helps us honor God. Our Father. God's name is important. And it helps me remember that I have a heavenly father who knows everything about me and yet loves me. God knows everything about you, everything you say, everything you think, and yet he loves you. And you may go, but man, I'm a rascal. And I I say and think things I know I shouldn't say. And like, why would God love me? I don't know. I don't know why he loves me, but he does. And he loves you. And he wants to hear from you. And we should honor God. God the Father. Sometimes, sometimes, and it's been said before by many, that sometimes our view of God is hindered or helped by the view of our earthly father that we have. And maybe you have no, you don't know your father. That can hurt your relationship with God sometimes. Sometimes we have an absent father, or we had an abusive father, or a very controlling father, or we had a very good father, and that's awesome and wonderful. And what our enemy loves to do Our enemy takes advantage of those things in our life. He loves to whisper to you and me that God really doesn't love us. If we didn't have a a real father that didn't love us, how could we have a heavenly father that really loves us? And he loves to whisper those lies. He always loves to replace the truth with a lie. That's what he does. But when we're praying and we're cultivating that relationship, when we're in the word of God, the word of God reminds us what the truth is, that we have a God who loves us. We have a heavenly father that is for us. And he leads us, he guides us, he even disciplines us sometimes because of how much he loves us. He wants to direct us. And it says, and this is also what Jesus says. He says, may your name be kept holy. In other words, how would be your name? Prayer helps us focus on who God is. He is holy. And desire that God be honored on earth should be the first concern of every uh, disciple of Jesus. This must come from before our personal request, not merely in prayer, but life as a whole, that we want to live a life that honors God because of who he is. And as Christians, we should have a reverent fear of God and who he is. Man, when someone says they're a Christian and they live a life that's the opposite of what the Bible says, it shows They're ignoring or they simply do not have a reverent fear of God or they really don't know who God is. And it's a dangerous place to be. It can be a very hurtful place to be. And God loves us enough to pursue us. You see, prayer helps me focus on the only kingdom that truly matters. Jesus said, your kingdom come. That's what he was focused on. God, God the Father, I want your kingdom come. He was concerned about the kingdom coming. Now, this flesh, it wants its kingdom to come. It wants to focus on itself and be very selfish. But Jesus is reminding us, it's not about our kingdom. It's not about a political kingdom, which they expected him to bring in. 
And man, there's sometimes, listen, I know we get passionate about politics, but sometimes we have this idea that, man, if we just have everything line up politically the way we would want, then God's glory is going to fall down upon us. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And we can be passionate about political issues, no question. And we should. And there's times in certain aspects, maybe even in the church, we should be more passionate about certain areas that have become, um, that are Bible, that politics has kind of drug into politics a little bit. But, but our focus is on God's kingdom first and foremost and always. And, um, and prayer helps us focus on the right kingdom. You see, prayer also does this. Notice what it says. Jesus was focused on God's will, what he wanted, what was God's will. And that should be the question of every single believer. You see, prayer helps me focus on God's will, not mine. For many people, prayer is like a national anthem before a football game. It gets the game started, but simply has no connection to what's happening on the field. It's just kind of a a courtesy. A courtesy. When you pray and you ask God, are you praying for God's will to be done? Man, sometimes we can get so stubborn. We can get so focused on what we think God should do that we miss out on what God has. Notice this. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. I can't remember if I put it on the PowerPoint or not, but here it is. It says, now this is a confidence Confidence. We can have confidence in the Lord in this area that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, one, he hears us. And if we know what he, that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, prayer is not a button just to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Are you cultivating it? Are you pursuing the will of God in your life? Now, we've mentioned this. God answers our prayers, always does. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes no, wait, my grace is sufficient for you. But he always answers our prayers. When you pray, maybe it's about a decision you're going to make. Are you praying for God's will to be done? Because there's times when we pray and we ask God for certain things and we don't get it. Man, we can get disappointed. What I found is this, is when I pray according to God's will, God, if it's your will, let this happen. And when it happens, it's awesome to be in the middle of God's will. But you're still in God's will even when it doesn't happen. And you can go, you know what? God, I'm disappointed, but I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust that you know better than I do. That you know what tomorrow holds. God is outside of time and space. He sees it from the beginning to the end. And he's not subject to it. He sees it all. And so he knows what is best for us. See, prayer also does this. Prayer transfers my burdens. Notice verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Not yesterday's bread, not tomorrow's bread, but today. Of depending upon God for my needs of God, I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to take care of me. And the Bible promises those who focus on doing his will and focus on loving God and doing what they should be doing, God's going to take care of it. And so we see that we need him daily. Some will look at Christianity and go, man, Christianity is just a crutch for the weak. And it shows how prideful they are. But let me correct that for a moment. 
It's not really a crutch. It's more like the air we breathe. We can't really go on without the Lord. We need prayer. We need the word. And man, if it's been a while since you've been in the word, if it's been a while since you're praying, you watch what happens to your spirit and to your soul when you get back in the habit of being in God's word. You know what it's like? You know what it's like? It's like a dry sponge that finally has refreshing water that touches it. And it just starts to soak it all in. And you can feel your soul expand. You can feel your soul being refreshed. That's what you need. You need the life-giving water that Jesus gives. You see, man... When you're praying and you're, you have that habit of prayer, our burdens um, become lighter. And that's what prayer does. We can give our burdens to the Lord. And, and, and burdens that weigh us down. We all have different burdens. There's some common ones we all share. You know, we need forgiveness. Why do we need forgiveness? So we don't blame ourselves. Well, we need forgiveness so we can move on and stop letting other people hurt us. We need help when we're tempted. Are you tempted? We've all been tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. You need help? Pray. We need help in spiritual warfare. There's some burdens that come upon us. Christian, there's times that you can't explain what's happening in your life other than the fact it's the enemy who is attacking. It's spiritual warfare. What should you do? Get on your knees and pray. Get on your knees and pray. Now, as I mentioned, the Bible says that we shouldn't stop praying. We should always continually pray. So what does that look like exactly? Maybe you're at work and someone pops into the middle of your mind. Just pray for them quickly. Now, you don't have to, you don't have to be arrogant about it. You don't have to be uh, seeking attention on it. I mean, let's face it. Maybe you work with 10 or 20 people. It would be a little weird if you said, hey, everybody, let's stop real quick. Everyone get on their knees and we're going to pray. I just had something that came to my mind. Can you join me? That'd be a little weird. Now, if you want to get on your knees and pray, nothing wrong with getting on your knees and praying. That's you. But God's called us to pray. And whatever you're going through in your spiritual warfare, it happens. And in fact, fasting is mentioned here. You know, this passage mainly, uh, this sermon mainly is not talking about fasting. But fasting, maybe there's some things in your life you need to pray. And maybe you need to take a couple days and fast. What is fasting? There's different types of fasting in the Bible, okay? But the most common fast, and this is the only one I'm going to mention, is drink plenty of water, but no food. Maybe it's for three days. Maybe it's for two days. Maybe it's for one day. Maybe it's for a week. I don't know. And I really believe there's some strongholds in some of your lives that aren't going to go away until you start fasting and praying. There's some things to get your attention. And what you're saying is, God, this issue, what's on my heart right now is so deeply important that, God, it's more important than food. Have you fasted and prayed about it? I would encourage you to do so. Christian, if you've never fasted and prayed, that needs a change in your life. It will change you. Prayer changes us. In fact, prayer changes. Prayer will change your brain. Now, at the beginning of this series, I mentioned a couple of different books, and I'm going to mention one of those books again, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. Very good book. And he mentions a couple other books by a couple of different scientists that I'm going to read from. So if you want to check it out deeper, you can go into his book. But prayer will change your mind. 
Prayer works. Christian, it's not a matter if it'll work. Prayer works. Prayer changes us. And so a few decades ago, neurologists believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence. But today we know that simply is not true. Our brains are constantly evolving. Neurologists call the process neuroplasticity. And the idea is that we can sculpt our brain just as we sculpt our muscles with some strategic time spent in the gym. Now, you would never go to the gym and get a gym membership and work out one day and then go back and look in the mirror and go, man, this is a waste of time. Uh, You know, I want my money back. You know that you got to continually work out until you eventually and watch what you eat until you get the results that you want. Well, it's the same way with sculpting your brain. It takes a little bit of time. You see, you see, your brain is rewiring it, rewiring itself all the time by creating um, neural pathways. And each time you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought again. So if you're thinking on good things, this is a wonderful thing. But if you're thinking on things that are wicked, that are sinful, that are bad, and you're wondering, why am I struggling so much? It's going to take some time to rewire your brain. It's going to take a little bit. Now, here's a good thing. The Bible says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do it. The Holy Spirit will help you. But when you have some stinking thinking, you're going to have uh, some stinking living, right? And so you need to make a change. You need to depend upon the Lord. You need to repent of some things. It won't happen always overnight. It takes a little bit of time. But rest assured, through Christ, you can. And you can be, be victorious in it. And so your brain is changing. And prayer changes your brain. Now, Dr. Andrew Newberg, a director of research at Thomas Jefferson Hospital and Medical College in Pennsylvania, he studies the brain by using neuroimaging techniques, including functional magnetic renaissance imaging, single photon emissions, computed um, um, tomography, and um, uh, positron emission uh, tomography. And, um, and uh, as I read all of that, and I, yes, I practiced some of those words, may have butchered one or two of them, I have no idea what it means. I'm not sure what it means, but, but I can come to the conclusion. This is what he writes. He writes in scholarly articles and in books how God changes your brain, that prayer is like a physical workout for the brain and changes its chemistry. And think about that not only does does your prayer touch the heart of God? Prayer changes your brain. It gives it a spiritual workout. Now, another author in this field of neurotheology is Caroline, Dr. Caroline Leaf, the author of Switch On Your Brain. It's a book you can get if you want. Her website says Dr. Leaf is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communicating pathology and BSCN of logo pedetics and specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. And once again, I have no idea what that means, but I know the conclusion of what she writes. And this is what she writes. This that uh, Dr. Leaf writes, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over a period of an eight-week period can change your brain to such an extent that it can be measured on the brain scan. 
and the areas in which it changes your brain, this is what's interesting in her fa- what she found, is that the brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others is where prayer helped change the brain. God's word has shown us prayer changes our brain. Science tells us prayer changes your brain. And your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, we've seen these two passages, but I want to mention them again. We've seen these two passages that talk about how the things of God and prayer change your brain in this series. But let's go back to them. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12, there we go. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, before science ever caught up to the Bible, which I'm not sure it really has, the Bible said, hey, you can renew your mind. Your brain can change. Here's also what we see in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. But notice this. This is something you have to, it's conditional. If you do that, this is what will happen. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts, in other words, your emotions and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's conditional. You have a choice. What are you going to do? Pray about everything. There are some things I'm going to give to God. Then I will experience. Man, I know sometimes as Baptists, we don't like to focus on experience. But you want the feeling of having peace? You want to experience peace? And you truly want to have peace? Prayer. Science backs it up. The Bible backs it up. Prayer will change your brain. It will change who you are. And God wants to change how we think. And we tell you, the flesh, the flesh wants you to think one way, which we would say the world, but the flesh. And the Spirit of God wants you to think another way. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, it says, Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are pleased, that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now leave that passage up there if you would. Notice you have no one else to blame. It says, Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind. So letting the spirit, who's letting what? You. You have a choice in what you're going to let enter your mind. You have a choice in taking every thought captive. You have a choice. And it's easy to go, but my wife or my spouse or my ex or my kids or my parent or that person or that teacher or this person. No, 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 no. You. And man, I realize There's some right now, you have some difficulty going on in your life. And you're you're being run ragged. And you may feel like you're just hanging on to the hem of his garment. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be when life gets hard to be hanging on to his garment. But what happened to the lady who hung on to his garment? It just touched him. He healed her, right? And it may not always happen exactly when you want it. But there's some things we must just give over to God and let him 
take care of. But you have a choice. And so will you be dominated by the spirit of God? Or will you be dominated by what the flesh wants? And it's a battle. It can be tough. So how do we, what do we, what do, we do with this? How, how can we make sure that what we should control, what God has given us, we should control? Or the things that I know I can't control, that send me into panic, that send me into stress, that send me into anxiety. How can I start to rewire my brain and start trusting God and start praying so my brain starts to change that my brain starts to spiritually what can i do here's a recommendation for you okay a recommendation is this is whether it's in your journal or whether it's in your diary or whether it's just a piece of paper you keep in your bible take and put a line straight down the middle and on the left hand side put things god controls on the right hand side Put your name, so for me it would be things I control or things Lucas controls. And number them. There are certain things I can control from my attitude through, you know, the way I treat people and so on. There's things you can control. And write those things down. Then on the left hand side, write those things that you can't control. Especially the things that are giving you anxiety. The things that are causing you stress. The things that are stressing you out. Write this. There's something, there's something about something spiritual of when we take, when we take what we're thinking and those emotions and we put them on paper. And then when we're tempted to worry, when we start to feel stress bubble up again, we can go back and look, go, oh, wait a second. This is God's. This is for him to worry about, not me. I can't control it. And so I'm going to give this to the Lord. And I'm going to pray about these things. I'm going to pray about these things. And I'm going to take Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to memorize them. I'm going to take Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and I'm going to memorize it. So whether I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm overcome with stress and worry. I can run to the scriptures. I can remind myself who God is and who I am in Christ. And that I'm a child of God. Peter tells us that we can cast all of our cares on God because he cares for us. Our thoughts seek to betray us, but we know that God is big enough. Big enough to hear our prayers and to take care of all of our issues. And I want you to know, if it's on your mind, if it's on your mind, it's on his heart. He really does love you. He really does want to be near you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So pray. Pray and let God change you. And it'll change you from the inside out. Let's pray. Pray together. As our heads are bowed. Maybe those who are watching or you're here this morning. And you'd like to have God as your heavenly father. But you're not quite sure how to do that. You're uncertain that if you were to die today, whether you'd go to heaven. Or if you go to a place called hell. You may be a good person. You may go to church often. 
But here's the key. We must realize that we are lost and that we deserve death and hell. But if we are willing to repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, and we pray and ask him, he will save you, he will change you, and he'll bring you into the family of God.